I have a podcast and I have released 200 plus episodes and I have very rarely gotten like lots of pushback on things that I've said, which to me is I'm not actually doing my job as a podcaster because I'm not really actually voicing a lot of my opinions. But now I'm 26 and I'm tired of not acting like I am a grown ass woman who, I don't know, just wants to be more myself. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Confident Collective. We're so glad you're here. And you know what I just realized? This what? is going to be coming out on the 4th of July. I know. Listen, like, bitches, you better be listening while you're pre-gaming for your barbecue, okay? <laughs> yeah, while you're, you know, maybe you're going to be on the grill. Maybe you're going on a boat. I don't know. But you better be listening to us before you head out for your day of festivities. Wait, actually, my obsessed is perfect for the 4th of July. So I'm glad about that now. Should we Should we go, just go into our obsessed and then do our life updates? Okay, fine. I've been obsessed with the grill, okay? I don't know why it took me like years and years of refusing to figure it out. Literally, you just turn a knob and press a button. It's the easiest <laughs> freaking thing ever. I was like, I just always felt like that was a Steve thing. You know what I mean? But yeah. grilling is actually really fun and so easy. And kind of now that I'm like a girl who grills, I feel empowered to do it more. And you know, I love cooking. And I love just like having people over. And now I just feel like with the grill, it's so easy. So I've been making like some smash ass meals on it. And I'm really, really excited about smash it. Smash ass meals. Yeah. Okay. I love it. One, actually, this was inspired by Brock Your Body is like the smash <gasps> burger pita. I saw that. It looks so fucking good. Dude, it is so good. It is so easy. I'll link her recipe because I don't have the way I did it right now. But pretty much it's just like a grilled, you could do either do a grilled burger, grilled lamb burger on a pita with like tzatziki, cucumbers, tomatoes, and you just make it Greek style. And it's so, so good. Mm, my mouth is watering right now. I also, grilling shrimp is a, is my favorite thing ever. I'm convinced anything is just better grilled. <laughs> I think you might be right. It grilled is. Grilled chicken is fantastic. Uh, baked chicken, questionable. Ew, I would never... Mm. Like, unless you're roasting a whole chicken, I would just, I don't think oh. I've never baked chicken. But, you know, like... Oh, I do it, like, once a week. But anyway, the grill is superior for sure. So good. So I've been having so much fun doing that. And then also, I don't know why, too, because I don't really drink when I'm cooking. I don't really, like, pour myself a glass of wine. For some reason, when I'm grilling, I'm like, oh, it's margarita season, too. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why I like grilling so much. I'm associating it with margaritas. You're just getting tipsy. You're like, this is amazing. This is amazing. I was like, bedtime is so fun now. So yeah, I'm oh having so God. much fun doing it. We had Rosie over for dinner the other night. It was so cute. And also oh. like, we don't have a backyard. We just have a balcony. But the balcony ha is such a vibe right now because it's a little garden. We have our little lights. Except for Nicholas's toys, which by the way, I could kill Steve for. It's really, really cute. 
Wait, did you ever come over last summer for my Girls Who Grill? No, burgers? I wasn't. I don't I think I was in Greece or I was somewhere. Oh, you were. We yeah. had, oh, I forgot we had completely opposite schedules last summer. Yeah. I will say I make a really good cheeseburger. It is, I'll have to make it for you sometime. Okay. Um, you can but come over time, and grill on my barbecue. Well, I'll let you grill on yours. I'll be, <laughs> I'll let you host me. <laughs> I know. I, I don't feel like you've ever really been over for dinner. I mean, have you? No, I have. Not like a real, real dinner though, but yeah. No, I'm really just holding out to be invited over to your parents' house um, oh, for yes. dinner with your mom. Yeah. I haven't had your mom's cooking. I've had you one. Should, next time we're home, we should absolutely do that. That's I so know. easy. I you just, just come over and stay at my parents' house too. I need to come to New Jersey. I need to experience your mom's cooking. Anyway, I love the grilling for you. I can't, you need to be posting these recipes um, I, for people to see. Okay, people always ask me for recipes, but here's the deal. I do not understand how food content creators do it. I really don't because I mm. feel like you have to create food or create the content separate from when you're cooking for your family. Like, I just can't do it at the same time. Like, I have a baby, I have a toddler, and when I'm cooking, yeah. like, I think I'm just efficient at it, and I know what I'm doing, so it's going so quickly that I just don't even ever have the time or to record. Honestly, maybe this is a good thing for you to do that's actually not online. It's like a nice, <laughs> yeah. you know what, now I'm like, hold on, wait, before I'm like, you know what my parents think? Like, maybe it's, this is a good thing for you to, like, unwind and not have to, like, feel like you're creating something totally although I do feel like that is good content to share and something that people would find value in and enjoy but it is kind of just for me my family time and I don't want to make yeah. it work time I would I would I feel like if I wanted to document the food I would have to do it on a separate day when the kids are out of the house during the day and just batch cook a bunch of stuff but then again you may as well become a food blogger exactly and I'm not trying to do that you know what I mean so anyways no. that's my story wow. Okay, well, what I'm obsessing over is so at this point in time, when this comes out, I'll be in Croatia. Mm -hmm. um, I'm taking a little vacation with my best friend who she last year literally met this man at a wedding in London, got married and is now living in London with him all within a year. I'm like, holy shit, things happen fast. Like I feel like when you get into your 30s. And so that I is so crazy. No, isn't that crazy? So I'm mm -hmm. like, I haven't seen her in so long. So have you not seen I, her since she left LA? Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh no, she came to New York, but I would. Oh no, she came to New York and you guys did the psychic thing together. Oh yeah, I guess no, she came, she's been to New York twice. Okay. I feel like I haven't seen her in so long. I'm like, I haven't seen her, but I have seen her twice. But anyway, I was like, I'm meeting you in Europe. We're going somewhere for a beach vacation. And Croatia has been on my list because I feel like it's starting to get on the up and up. It's not like a Mykonos. It's not like... Yeah, it's not like Greece know, or Italy, still, but... It's still more chill. Yeah. So I feel like this is kind of like the last time I can get in before it kind of is going to get like cray-cray. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, you're killing me right now. Pretty much you're saying like, I'm going to make Croatia bounce off the map. But I feel like Croatia has been... Probably. Croatia has you know how been many a people destination. have gone to Milos? Oh, yeah, of course. But it's still not like, I don't think it is as... It's not like... It's nowhere near Coast like Saint-Tropez, Amalfi yeah. Coast. No, nowhere near. For sure. Like a lot of people I say I'm going to Croatia, they're like, oh, really? It's not like Greece. Yeah, agree. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it will pop off because do you know how many people have gone to Milos because I told them to? A lot. My travel recommendations are very good. <laughs> no, they are really good. But long story, like long story short, after that trip... I'm going to be home for two months straight. 
And I'm so freaking excited because I've just been like, go, go, go. So I'm really excited to lean into my summer in New York, which I don't want to hear that it's the two hottest months in New York. I don't care. I'm just going to be sweaty in the city. And I'm going to be getting situated in my apartment. I'm obsessed with this guy on Instagram. His name is, I'm going to butcher it, Hans Mortzen. He's a Swedish interior designer. Okay, his stuff, we'll put it in the show notes, like, his stuff like makes me feel something. And I think it's because also I'm Swedish. So I feel connected <laughs> through my heritage. Mm-hmm. And so my project I want to do this summer is really like finish my bedroom. And it's going to have a very Swedish, like Scandinavian feel to it. And I'm just really excited about it. Okay. So go look at his stuff. I'm obsessed. Wait, I feel like you need to describe a little bit more because his stuff is so cute and warm and almost feels like cottage core vibes, in my opinion, versus what you think of Scandinavian and Swedish design. Because I feel like a lot of people automatically think like plain lines, like Ikea, oh, like no, white no. neutral. And this is very, very different. He's like, yeah, like cottage core, like fresh flowers everywhere, super mm-hmm. cozy, almost like maximalist in a way. And so I'm kind of channeling that into my bedroom. I want it to be super cozy, very not minimal at all. It gives me all um, the Matilda Jerf and Talia vibes combined. Totally, totally. So his stuff is just like, it makes me want to move to a cottage in Sweden, honestly. Like he, ha- he has this little one bedroom cottage that he brings his dogs to. And I'm like, this man is living my dream life. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, he's so cute too. I, what are you? What are your thoughts on the whole departure from the sad beige girl aesthetic? I mean, it's all just like trends. Like everything is going to come back around. I do think like my living room is still very more beige, but pops the color and like the artwork. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of feel like we shouldn't like shame. Like if people like neutrals, like let them live. If people mm-hmm. want to have color, let them live. I don't really, I'm like... Those videos where it's like, I escaped the sad beige girl aesthetic. It's really just trends. You know what I mean? No, I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny because I feel like everything is so cyclical, like you said. And I think it's one thing when it comes to fashion trends. But it's another thing when it's like your home trends. Like people aren't reinventing their home every year. No. So I feel like you need to find like what works for you and what makes you feel at peace in your environment. And who cares what any trend is when it comes to home design? Like, as long as you feel good in the place you're coming home to. Yeah, I feel like I just, like, go with what makes me feel something. Mm -hmm. Like, and I really think it's my Swedish heritage that I feel so called to him and his home. I love that. I can't (laughs) wait for this for you. Wait, as we're talking about homes, I'm getting into my life update because let me tell you, when when it comes to homes, I went to the ultimate house the other day and it made me realize how poor I am. Um, I went to (laughs) Sofia Vergara's house. She's also like the highest paid female actor in TV. Is she? Well, this makes you know, sense. I think she, yes. It makes sense. Good for her. It was my first experience. I've been in LA for over a decade now, and I've gone to some huge homes, some beautiful areas, but I've never actually been into a full-on gated community with so much security. And as What a, was it like getting in? Like, what do you have to do? Show my ID, driver's license, like we were on a list. Got it. Okay, so it wasn't like anything crazy, you know what I mean? They didn't take like a blood sample or anything, but still, (laughs) like they needed to see my ID. Thank God I finally got it. (laughs) Um, Then we drive into this gated community and all these homes are stunning. But besides that, there is a park with a little lake. I was like, wow, these 
really rich children probably have like their own playgrounds and stuff, but they also have their own private park so they don't have to be with the commoners. You know what I mean? And yeah, I was they like, have their own. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. So that was really interesting. And her house was just so stunning. It felt, it was a Spanish style house, but had mod- modern interiors, but it just felt really, really cozy and warm and welcoming. I just mm. felt like a very, like, do you know Amber Lewis, that designer? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of felt very Amber Lewis, Studio McGee, but with Spanish style home. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And the grounds were so gorgeous. I was like, am I in Italy? Am I in Provence? Like, where am I right now? Like, every little pocket was so stunning and picturesque. Like, all the cypress trees, like, then there was palm trees. All oh, It was just so perfect and gorgeous. And I was like, okay, new goal unlocked for myself that I didn't know. A mansion in a gated community in LA. Mm-hmm. Got it. And also, you know what I was learning about these gated communities, which I thought was really cool, was that there's a multiple entrances to them, right? All obviously gated so that they can escape the paparazzi. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. I'm really regretting not going now to this event. It was really fun, actually. It was really, really fun. And Sofia Vergara mm-hmm. is so cute and charming. I'm like, she deserves to be the highest paid actress. Like, the way she was so warm and welcoming, like, her personality, oh, she just makes you laugh with every single thing she says. And she just knows who she is. She knows the character that she plays. I don't know. Maybe she's not like that in real life. But, like, in, it felt like you were watching her on in Modern Family or, like, in her interviews in person. Interesting. Yeah, she felt very much the same. As her character? As her character. Oh. Because I've heard some... Not so great thing. I don't know if I can say that. You can say whatever mm-hmm. you want. You've heard bad things about her. Mm-hmm. Well, she was very charming. From people in the biz. Well, I guess she's like promoting her brand. Yeah. She's a bunch of people who will talk about her brand. Exactly. So. Exactly. But who she, knows? Who knows? Like, I don't know what she's actually like, but when she was talking about her product and talking and addressing everyone there, it felt like you were watching her on Jimmy Fallon or it felt like you were watching her in Modern Family. Like, that's who you know and that's who you saw. Interesting. I don't know if I was well, expecting her to gorge. lose the accent or something. I don't know. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's Sofia Vergara that I know. But sometimes people really are like their characters, like mm-hmm. very much like, like, I guess you wouldn't meet. I can't think of any actor right now from the office. You wouldn't meet freaking Dwight. What's his name? with Dwight Schrute. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Rain Wilson and be like, oh, he is Dwight, you know? You wouldn't. Exactly. Right. But you'd meet Sophia yeah. Vergara and be like, oh, yeah. That's her character. That's her character. Wow. So that was an interesting well, experience. Gorge. What about you? Oh, I was like, wait, let's get into the episode. I haven't even told my life update. Okay, I got a horrible manicure yesterday. Let me see it. <laughs> okay, so... Let me backstory. I have been the last, starting last summer, I just have been doing like natural nail summer because I think my nails need a break from gel. And when I was traveling, like I didn't want them, if I have a chip in my gel, it literally unhinges me. I cannot. And I was like, I don't want to be in Greece and worrying about like fixing my manicure. So I just went like natural nail summer. And then this summer I did it again because honestly, when I moved to New York, I was just having to get my nails done so often. And I literally, after my pedicure is done, like I just can't be in there anymore. I get so antsy. I just don't want to be there. And I think for summer, actually, just like nude, short nails look really nice. So I'm just leaning into the natural nail summer. Anyway, 
I went in there and I was like, oh, can I just do a gel pedicure and just a normal manicure? I just wanted to like shape. I was like, can you just shape my nails and like trim the cuticles and just freshen them up? But no polish. No polish. She's like, you don't want any polish? And I was like, no, I'm I'm like, no polish. And she was like, I think I really think you should get polish. And I'm like, no, 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 like I'm I'm good. good." So she's like pressuring me to match my toes. She's like, it would look so good. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm on a tight timeline, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she's like, do you want them cut short? Because my nails go really fast. And I was like, yeah. She cut them so short. I'm talking, there's like full, probably three centimeters between where my nail begins and my fingertip begins. Ew, I'm getting nauseous. Look at that. I don't don't know why. When you were describing it, I was picturing a toe on your fingers for some reason. Honestly, that's what they feel like. They hurt. Like I was trying to fold my laundry last night. I couldn't, I literally couldn't fold my laundry because you know, when the skin has not been exposed to the, like the elements, Mm -hmm. I was, oh my God, I can barely, doing this, I'm touching it. Oh, it hurt. I'm like. It feels "Mm." raw. I feel like. Oh, it's so bad. And did you say anything to her? Or were you like, I love it, thank you? Once she she clipped them and then she went in with the file, there was nothing I could do. Yeah, it was too late. I was like, but honestly, they'll grow out in the week. It'll be fine. But they do look pretty fresh and clean though, They do look fresh and clean, yeah. I I feel like everyone is victim of hating their manicure and not saying anything about it. Yeah, I mean, what this thing you couldn't, this couldn't be fixed. If I, you know, I would never say anything, number one, even if it could be fixed. But what, she can't do anything about this now. Ah, anyway. Also, TikTok has got me, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have seen this girl's going viral on TikTok for sharing what she's eating. And she, like her lunch will be like a chicken sausage with mustard, cottage cheese with mustard, a raw Brussels sprout with mustard, carrots with mustard. And I'm like, okay, okay. So just everything with mustard. Like any, you can eat anything and I'm convinced like it'll taste good with mustard. So yesterday I had carrots and mustard and you know what? She's onto something. That was good. I didn't think it was going to be good. It was good. Wait, what type of mustard do you do? Yellow. Mm-hmm. Yellow mustard. Okay. I went to Target last, like a couple days ago and... I ended up spending like an insane amount of money. I never go shopping in Target, like in person, only online. And all of a sudden I found myself in the condiment aisle. I never buy mustard for the house. And I was like, you know what? I should buy mustard. So I was, as someone who was like almost like a mustard novice, I was like, what do I get? What do I get? Do I get Dijon mustard? They didn't have honey mustard. That's normally my favorite. I was like, or do I get yellow mustard? And I was going back and forth and I ended up getting Dijon mustard. And then when I had it at home, I was like, I should have got yellow mustard. You don't have mustard in the house? I don't. That's like a staple. I know. I I, I guess it needs to be now. Clearly, I got to try it with carrots. No, I've never. Seriously. I, I literally got it because I decided to also buy hot dogs for the first time ever. I'm like, oh, this sounds like it'll be good on mm. the grill. But I should have had the grill, yellow yeah. mustard, you know? Like, who puts Dijon mustard on a hot dog besides I did? No, that's good. I mean, I definitely, I have Probably three to four types of mustard in my fridge at all times. You do? Literally, I could go show you right now. I have honey mustard because that's just um, honestly amazing. Yeah. Dijon because making salad dressings, mm-hmm. that's like a need. Yellow mustard because it's just delicious. And then I have this hot honey Dijon mustard. So it's Ooh. like a... It is, it is good. So at a, I would say I average about four mustards in my fridge at all times. Interesting. I did not have a single one. 
I'm more of like a ketchup and mayo type person, you know? I actually, honestly, mostly just ketchup. Um, yeah, on, I've, I've got ketchup. I don't actually use, have mayo very often in my fridge anymore. But the mustard. welcome to the mustard gang. Thank you. I feel a warm welcome. I'm excited. I have to explore the different types, obviously. And stay tuned. Try it with kid carrots and let me know what you think. With kid carrots? With the carrots. Oh, I thought you said with kid carrots, like the little baby ones. I was like, is that what we call them these days? Oh, I guess. I mean, those are the carrots I get, the kid carrots, even though those ones aren't supposed to be very good for you. But wait, why? Because they're already peeled. Well, they just can have like, they tend to have more chemicals and stuff because they're like peeled and like in a plastic bag. I try not to buy as much stuff in plastic. So if you're being, you know, get the, get the carrots from the ground. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. And then you just cut them in the ideal, but I get the kid carrots because it's just easier. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that you don't have to peel. You don't have to do anything like that. Yeah. You know, it saves time. Saves time. Okay. Well, besides carrots and mustard and Sophia Vergara's house, I'm so excited for today's episode because we have a friend on the podcast. We have Miss Victoria Brown. She is a former D1 athlete, TED Talk speaker, content creator who's amassed over 1.5 million followers and she's the voice behind the Real Pod podcast. And we actually did a little podcast swap. So we'll be on Victoria's podcast as well, which is so fun. Victoria openly speaks out against filters as an advocate for keeping it real all around. And on today's episode, Victoria shares her experience as an athlete, her struggles with binge eating, perfectionism, and people pleasing, and what success looks like for her. So welcome, Victoria. Victoria, welcome to the Confident Collective podcast. Thanks, gals. I am so happy. I feel like this has been such a long time coming. You don't know this, but Steve and I think of you and Max as like our good friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I just feel like, first of all, I didn't even tell him that we were having you on I our didn't podcast. I tell Max either. I need to. And we need to go on a double date. We need to go on a double date. And I'm so yeah. happy that Ray, I know, you finally, and Victoria I get can to meet you. Me too. Oh my gosh, but we're so excited for our conversation and I feel like, should we just get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Victoria, so you talk a lot about your life as an athlete and kind of this like striving for perfectionism. You were a D1 athlete, absolutely killing it. But at that time, you were really struggling, have opened up a lot about that on your page. Can you kind of like walk our listeners through a brief little backstory if they don't know who you are and kind of how that has shaped you? Definitely. I played volleyball at USC, so fight on to my Trojans listening, and I was there from 2015 to 2019, and upon getting onto campus, you know, this was my dream scenario, playing in the Pac-12, especially on the USC women's volleyball team, and although I was a walk-on, so I wasn't on scholarship, I earned a starting spot, and... Yeah, like, this is actually a huge, huge deal. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah. You're one so, athlete, no big deal. You're so sweet. It is funny to be in a place now where just some people just don't even know I played college sports, mm-hmm. which I think is a comforting thought to know that we have so many seasons of life and you can always redefine who you are and change your identity and evolve. But I was starting as a freshman and it was awesome and amazing and then quickly became a lot of pressure and very high in, it was a high intensity environment. We're the number one team in the nation, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And so the stakes were high and all eyes were on us. And I just really started to struggle with performance anxiety, Never had never experienced anxiety like that before. I even think about it now because I'm so good at getting a grip on things in my life. And performance anxiety is still one of those things where 
it was really intrusive and difficult for me. And then my sophomore year, I ended up being coming depressed because I had been living with the anxiety for so long, feeling so alone, not talking about it, not doing anything about it. So then my sophomore year, I kind of describe it as like a state of exhaustion. And then throughout both of those things, I was dealing with a binge eating disorder. So kind of the trifecta. Can I ask, so was this just anxiety of feeling pressure to be the best athlete, to win? What was that pressure to live up to everything that you felt you needed to be? It was the fear of failure, the fear of making a mistake and costing the team to lose, the fear of getting in trouble with the team or the coach or letting teammates down or not being able to keep up. And I think under it all was just the imposter syndrome of like maybe not being good enough. You know, you work so hard to be in a in a room and then you get into the room and then you begin to question like, if you do they, here. well, do they think I'm good? And who's, if I make a mistake, I'm going to get replaced. And then another girl's going to come in and I'll never get my spot back. So it was just the fear of the negative, truly like of making mistakes or yeah, failing. And then was this anxiety and depression only in relation to playing volleyball or do you, did you find it like trickling in other aspects of your life as well? The anxiety was definitely for the most part, very volleyball specific. Mm -hmm. I will say once you kind of open the door to a mental health issue, I think you're like more susceptible to it again, and at least my experience in other aspects of life. And so I did start to overthink social situations, mm -hmm. which I never had before, but it was primarily volleyball. And the depression, I think was more, that was 360. That was just, I wasn't just depressed when I went to practice. I was depressed all the time. But I think the big catalyst for it was being a volleyball player and a student at the same time. Yeah, I feel like that's so much pressure. I mean, college is so hard. There's so many changes. You're meeting all these new people. There's pressure to do great in your classes. You're like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I mm -hmm. need to figure this out as well. And then adding on a sport, I, I can imagine how challenging that is. It was. It was definitely challenging. I was 18 years old. You're not really prepared for what it's going to be until you're there. And looking back, if I could play one more season, I think I would be so prepared and have all the tools and the resources necessary now to call on because I've done so much work and I've learned a lot. And even from my freshman year to my senior year, of course, I was in a much better place than I I knew the drill and I understood how to regulate my emotions and how to reach for help. But when you're a freshman, there's just so much that you don't know. How did you realize you had a binge eating disorder? Well, I'd say the formal realization was when I went to go meet with a nutritionist for our team at USC, who was a registered dietitian. And I had went to her to try to lose weight, of course, you know, I'm ready now, write me the plan and I'm going to do it this time. Mm, sure, we've, we've all been there. All been there. there. <laughs> like and, every year growing <laughs> up. Yeah. And so I went in and had that meeting and we were close and had known each other for a, a, a while now. And I was comfortable with her. And I think I ended up, it's funny how things become such a blur. I'm trying my best to remember, but I, I, I believe it was that session. And then I began to explain to her more about the patterns of my eating. Cause then they ask you, what are you eating now? And what time do you do this? And I was just being completely honest. And then I think I ended up breaking down crying and 
expressing how I'm so not in control with food. And I was describing how I was restricting and I wasn't eating. And then I was coming home at night and I was binge eating like everything. I mean, it's like, I don't even know what the, how to quantify the calories in a sitting, but just like so much food. And then she was the one who ended up explaining to me like that this is most likely what was going on. And then that was when I realized it kind of felt out of my hands. It wasn't like um, I could give myself a slap on the wrist and just try a new diet. It was like, I've reached more treacherous territory at this point that like I'm probably incapable of solving with more restriction because more restriction and rules and dieting only fuels the binge. So I reached out to my mom for help. And then my mom introduced me to intuitive eating and helped me begin healing. I think that sometimes we all can need help, but it's so scary to ask for help. And I feel like there's a lot of confidence that comes with being really vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm not in a good place. I need help. So how did you find that confidence? I was definitely hesitant to talk to anyone about anything because especially as an athlete, you're trained to think, I want to be a leader. I want to have it all figured out myself. I want to be strong. Just you think about strength and it seems like a weakness to admit that you're unsure, you're struggling. But I ended up opening up to a teammate the end of my freshman year. And she, in that same conversation, revealed that she was seeing a counselor. So I was like, whoa, you see a therapist? I could see a therapist. And because I look, I admired this player, that really normalized it in the conversation. And it gave me the confidence to do it myself. So then I began to see a therapist, but it was really weird for me and jarring like the first time going because I had always been someone who was on top of her shit. And I think, you know, the stigma of therapy is like, you are falling to pieces and you don't have the answers and you're a mess. And like a mess is not a word I would have used to describe my high achieving over performing self, you know, when I was 18. So it was difficult. And then it just takes time and then you start to go and you start to break down a lot of that stigma and you start to see that it's benefiting you. And then you start to think about how it's not really your fault and there's nothing wrong with you. But of course you're in this situation that's going to lead you more times than not to intense stress. So it was a process. While you were playing volleyball and going to USC, what did you want to be when you grew up? What were you there for besides volleyball? (laughs) I was thinking I would be a broadcast journalist Mm -hmm. in sports journalism. I wanted to be a sideline reporter. I always knew I wanted to be like in front of a camera or like in the quote spotlight in Mm -hmm. some way. That was just always my personality. I did the school talent show. Like in high school at 16 years old, I sang on guitar in front of the entire school, which even looking back now, I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. But I was just... I don't know. I didn't have a lot of public fears and I was able to speak in front of a class and sing in front of school and whatnot. So, um, oh my God, I just completely lost track of what was the question. I I just wanted to know what you wanted to be. I was being scarred by myself on stage from the flashbacks. (laughs) No, (laughs) what I wanted to be. Yeah, I love that because I just think that I can imagine if your sport is your entire life, it's okay. What comes after that? Are you going to be a professional volleyball player or did you have something else that you want to do? Well, unfortunately, as a female athlete, there's not many professional opportunities. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like none in the United States. So even playing professional volleyball meant going overseas. And I absolutely never wanted to do that. I, for me, my peak was going to be college. 
So I thought I'd be a sports broadcaster, but it was rooted in just the worst reasons. It was rooted in, I want to be that conventionally hot chick on a football field Mm. that the guys think is cute and she can talk sports. And there wasn't a genuine reason behind it other than I wanted attention. I want to be regarded as hot. And what shifted for me was when I began going through my mental health issues as an athlete, I then recognized just the stark contrast between what I was experiencing as an athlete and then what I was reporting on when I was in my journalism classes of athletes. And it was like the statistics and the game and just things that I felt like were so stupid when contrasted with how depressed that I felt. And then I thought, well, how are these athletes feeling? And we're not even talking about what's really going on and what's most important about sports, which is their emotional health. And that's kind of what led me to to begin questioning, like what I wanted to do. And then my sophomore year, I gave a TED talk on athlete mental health and that garnered a lot of um, attention and fortunately praise in the athletic community and encouraged me to begin posting about it on Instagram. And then I started vlogging and began to build a slow and steady following online. And that's how things kind of naturally took a different course. So do you feel like being an athlete helped or hindered your confidence more? I mean, I overall will look back on being an athlete as majority majority positive if I'm like net positive. Mm-hmm. So there's no world where I would ever want to not have, have my athletic experiences because they made me who I am. And as intense as it was at times, there were also moments that were incredibly thrilling and incredibly pinch me moments of, oh my God, I'm standing on this court that I remember coming to the camp when I was 14 and I'm in the Jersey and I'm on Pac-12 networks and there's thousands of fans and my family's here. And like, even the times when there was this big frat party on campus, and of course, you know, you want to go to a party, you want to meet the boys. And I would just tell myself like, anyone on this campus can go to that toga party tonight, but only 15 girls can be on this team right now. Oh, that's powerful. And that would help me when I, you know, would feel pulled to want to do the normal college things. But I, I think it, I think it helped with confidence because it was to this day, the most mentally taxing and testing thing I've ever done. You are truly facing your inner self, like when you're in a high intensity athletic environment and it gives you an armor because I'm like mentally, I've been pushed to the limit and I've been able to come out the other side. So of course it, it has only made me stronger. I'm not going to lie. When you were like painting that picture, it gave me anxiety. I was just <laughs> thinking about church volleyball that I used to play growing up. And I remember I would have performance anxiety. And this was church volleyball. Like literally no one cared. So I could imagine a whole stadium people watching you, wanting to succeed so crazy. And I'm such a feeler and I'm very emotional. And I used to joke with my teammates. Did, I don't know. What's the movie with Will Ferrell where he's like in the locker room, like, everybody stay calm. Oh my God, what is that? And he's like hitting the chair against the locker. That is like me. Like when we were in like a fifth set or something was intense, I'd try to be cool, but all I want to do is like, like just like scream. (laughs) So it was this weird thing where, and obviously that was probably a reason that I was a more anxious athlete than others. 
But on the one hand, I want to feel where I am because it's insane. But if I feel it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose focus and the ability to actually be clutch in this moment. So I have to feel nothing and just be like, just take a deep breath. Like this is nothing important. You're just doing your thing. So then you're not even, if you're, if I'm trying to do that to stay mentally apt to play, then I'm not even able to even process what I'm doing until like after the fact. But I really struggled with that desire to like suppress the emotions and Mm -hmm. not knowing how to feel them. And I, I did a lot of labeling and I placed a lot of judgment. Um, the whole, my whole volleyball journey was major for me in developing self-awareness and mental toughness, but also compassion and my inner dialogue. And it helps the way that I think about things to this day. I think, okay, I love the natural transition from you playing volleyball to doing the TED Talk to then starting social media. I think the first video I saw of yours was one of your side-by-side videos uh, using filters, which was just mind-blowing. First of all, that was the first time I saw that you can actually apply a video filter to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you would have never known. I would have never have known. So I want to know like why you started exposing that. And did you find, were you using filters before to change your body? A hundred percent. And I've never denied that. I think it's super powerful to come from a place of, I used to put every photo through Facetune Mm -hmm. before I posted it. So I know the struggle and the scrutiny that we place on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I truly don't hate on or shame anyone who does that, did that, or still does, because I know how you must be feeling about yourself to do it. The only thing that is my kicker is like when you're not transparent about it, because then you're creating this false narrative. And then I know how dangerous it is for people to compare and they're comparing to something that they could never achieve. So Mm I just want to promote like that authenticity with editing content. Summer is in full swing and a brand we think you need to know about is business and pleasure. We actually gifted everyone who came to our pool party with one of their towels. They were gorgeous. They were so lush. Um, And they're probably like the most luxurious beach towel I have ever seen. And they have more than beach towels. They really have everything that you need for like the most gorgeous summer beach or like park setup. They have beach towels, lounge chairs, coolers, umbrellas, basically everything you need to have an amazing beach day. Um, Christina, I need you to get a full beach setup and see it with the kids. It's it's lux lux lux. So be sure to check out business and pleasure this summer. Wait, I am so excited to get a little setup for the family because they are so chic. They are so beautiful and so luxe, like you said. And we actually have a discount code for you guys. So whether you want to get a beach setup or just some towels, you can find anything you want. And the code is Confident Collective 20. It's all caps. That's Confident Collective 20, and it's 20% off site-wide. Our next partner is AG1 by Athletic Greens, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I gave AG1 a try because I'm so inconsistent when taking pills, but I knew I needed more vitamins and minerals in my daily diet, and I wanted to improve my overall energy and gut health. And I've been taking it for over two years now, and I love the results. Personally, I think for having a full-time job, a podcast, and two kids, I have some pretty impressive energy. 
I take AG1 as soon as I wake up before having my coffee and breakfast. I love it with ice cold water because it is just so refreshing and such a great way to start the day. And I think a solid and consistent morning routine helps set your day up for success. And my morning routine would not be complete without AG1. What I love about AG1 is that it replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. It saves so much time because it's just one scoop in the morning. And in that one scoop, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole sourced ingredients. There are also AG1 travel packs so you can stay consistent on the go. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com cc. That's drinkag1.com cc. Check it out. Yes. So I was editing and when I was coming out of my mental health crisis, I was doing a lot of reflection. That point in your life where you're like, wait, why am I alive? You're like in the existential crisis. You're coming out of it. You're going to therapy. You're talking to people. And I had this really special moment with my older brother where we had a conversation and it made me start to think about what was I posting and why was I posting this bikini photo with my Facetune six pack and what was the purpose so people could like it and comment so I could feel good about myself because why can I not feel good about myself if I'm not posting this? And I started saying, I'm over this and I just want to be myself and I want to be honest and I want to be real. And I started posting no, I was using no filters. I was posting like anything that came to mind. I was using the hashtag real post. I had no followers, no anything. I wasn't like, let me build a campaign off of this hashtag. It was just super like Finsta energy. But people thought it was so interesting and so like compelling that it caught steam. And then I began to post intentionally real things where, yeah, I could show the difference between a photo I edited and a photo I didn't or what someone might look like from this angle. But then what about that angle? Or you seem happy here, but this is actually what happened in my day. And I feel like shit. So it was a really natural evolution. And I'm super grateful for that because everything I do is really rooted in being true to myself. And I'm so grateful for that because even if I don't feel like showing up online, that is my content for the day. It describing why I'm not feeling good. Like, and I feel grateful because I've, I think I'm able to uh, continue to evolve and I hope my platform continues to look different. I like the videos where I show you can face tune a video. I no longer post side-by-sides of how my body looks in one angle and then another angle because speaking of learning and growing, I don't want to center my body in a movement where I am already shown in a lot of other places. And there are people who can't just pose one way and look, quote, good, and then pose another way and not look good. But then the way you present, that's a privilege. And there's people who can't just change the way they're posing and then fit in. So I've shifted away from that and and everything's a learning process. And also like I recognize there are, I know there are people who really are impacted by when I show my stretch marks or I show roles or I show things that aren't quote perfect because there are people who maybe relate more to me and how I look. And so then they feel seen in that. But I, now I'm like on a tangent, but I think my point is like it, my whole job came to be super organically, which I have loved because I feel like I'm never tied down in however I want to grow 
online. No, I think that's really, that's super, super important. And I love that, like, your job is who you are, right? And Victoria is always growing, always evolving. I know for me, like, there, we actually just had this conversation the other day because there was a period of time where I was just, like, really trying to fit in and really insecure. And I'll sometimes look at those photos and those videos, not really the videos, just the photos as they appear on Apple or Instagram. I'm like, wait, is that what I actually looked like? Is that what I actually look like? Because I used to change the way I looked so much that I seriously can't remember sometimes. And I like feel bad for that person. And it wasn't until like I was, I think it was like the first post where I was like, wait a minute, let's not edit this out. Let's not try and make my waist smaller or my arm smaller that I actually felt so empowered. Mm-hmm. I relate to that. Whether it's looking back and being like, I can't believe I was insecure looking at this photo right. because now I look at it with such more love mm-hmm. and also just trying not to give so much power to photos. I think if I've realized anything about like angles and stuff, it's that I I could make my body look one way in a photo and then completely different than in five seconds later. Mm -hmm. And that for me is just like, why would I ever get beat up over a photo? Because we all have our angles. I I truly believe if someone thinks like there's a bad photo of them, you know, we could do everything to orchestrate a quote, good photo 10 seconds later. Mm -hmm. So I just also don't even allow myself to get worked up over photos. So you recently had two Victoria's Secret models on your podcast. And one of the videos you posted from that interview was, I I was like, oh my God, so crazy. They were talking about how basically she was standing next to this billboard, Victoria's Secret billboard. And she was like, no one even recognized me on the street as that was me. Like, (laughs) I don't even look like the image. It's so crazy. And when, when. Because they edited it so heavily. Yes. They're like, we've got layers of glitter, body oil, Mm -hmm. retouching. And like you said, I think we have to shift away so much from leaning in, like looking at ourselves through our phone, because like you could take a photo of yourself backlit and be like, oh my God, I look like trash. You turn to the light and you're like, wow, I'm a goddess. It's not real. And we're in this like really interesting time where so much of our perception of ourselves is through like the lens of our phone. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so, it's just not real. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you still struggle a little bit with perfectionism? Because I feel like You're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore because I don't want to take away space. Do you ever feel like you just are scared to... Like I'm overthinking everything? You're overthinking things or like making people like you're scared of offending anyone because I feel like you're such a great person and I know that you want to... You don't want to offend anyone, but I feel like sometimes I know I find myself overthinking it and do you find yourself doing that too? A hundred percent. And I know that we just talked about this on Real Pod, where I was explaining like all the different thoughts I was having about how to navigate a space or a conversation while also recognizing simultaneously like all the different privileges that I have. Yes, I do. I think with social media, I, I literally, I had this realization the other day when I post something, I take a second and it's not like this is part of my ritual, but it's just trained in me. I literally feel like I'm putting on this hat of what could every single human being in the world who might see this, who doesn't look like me, doesn't relate to me, doesn't matter, like what would they think seeing this and how can I make sure it's well received by all? That's a lot of pressure. Oh, it is is insane. And until I actually verbalized that I was doing that to myself, I was like, that is ridiculous, Victoria, because you you can never make sure that everything you're doing saying is in alignment with every other human being that exists on this planet. So yes, I put a lot of pressure on myself. It all comes from a place of my husband always says I have the best heart and 
I it, it does come from I want everyone to feel loved, seen, heard. I want everyone to like me as well. I'm a massive people pleaser. It's really hard for me to swallow that I'm not for everyone. And yeah, I think I need to give myself more grace with social media because I am always thinking about wanting everyone to be good with it. And I've had times where this is a random example that comes to mind, but for my wedding, before my wedding, I posted a like my bridesmaids and their problems. And my one friend, Brie, I said, is the groom's hall pass, which is just an inside joke, like whatever. And I had so many people commenting like, this is so weird. Like your husband wants one of your friends. And then I'm coming to be like, no, no, no. I'm like, it's just a joke. Like we, 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 he's, you know, he thinks Bree's hot. And they're like, that is so weird that he thinks that. And I like, I was almost like, oh my God, should I take it down? Should I give her a new title? And then I was like, literally fuck that. Brie, Max and I are literally hysterically laughing behind the scenes. It is not that deep. And so I think I've been able to recently have it, my therapist and I call it an exposure, which it is like these exposures where it's okay to not please everyone. And I actually posted a mental health video like a, a few months ago where I was explaining my emotions in a relationship with someone who's struggling with mental illness and how difficult that was for me. And I had a lot of pushback. I can't believe you're my favorite mental health advocate. And you're saying people with mental illness are a burden. And how do you think, how do you think we feel to have the mental illness and you are just struggling to be there for us? It was so misunderstood. And I was like, you know what? This is this is my truth and I'm putting it out there. And anyone who knows me knows that 90% of my content is for the people with mental illness. So if in this in this season of my life, I want to voice how I'm feeling when I'm on the receiving end and the loving end of someone, like, and you want to blow that out of proportion to the stars, fine. So I think I've been really good with some of these recent exposures and trying to just let it happen and recognize that everyone's going to like me. I also have recently been thinking about, I have a podcast similar to you all, and I have released 200 plus episodes and I have very rarely gotten lots of pushback on things that I've said, which to me is I'm not actually doing my job as a podcaster because I'm not really actually voicing a lot of my opinions. I also swear a fuck ton, but I don't swear a lot online because I've been like, I'm, I'm PG. Like I'm that girl for your kids and your daughter. And the coach who loves to follow me. And I'm like, but now I'm 26 and I'm tired of not acting like I am a grown ass woman who, I don't know, just wants to be more myself. So mm -hmm. to your question, and of course, I'm, like, I'm making it a whole therapy session because it is, it hits a string with me because you're, yeah. you're hundred percent right, Christina. Like, mm -hmm. And so yeah, I'm working on this. Yeah. No. And I think that you'll probably have to work on that forever and ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we all have to work on that, but I think continuing to what was it? Expose yourself or yeah. these exposure yeah. moments I think is really, really valuable and will help you a lot. Do some of that insecurities come from like at home too? Or are you ever scared of what your family will think? Because I feel like for me, I sometimes don't care what people online will think. I'm, I'm always like, wait, what if my mom sees this? Or what if someone from high school who literally probably doesn't forget I even exist sees it? Yeah. Or is it just more about like the people that are following you? I've gotten really good at just accepting and really believing that my social media is not for my friends and family. It mm. is not for you. It is for the community I'm trying to connect with, that I bonded with, that I'm hopefully trying to help and inspire. And it is just not for my in-laws. It's not for my Yaya. Sometimes too with Yaya, I know I'll post something and I'm getting it a text from her. And it's, I just have Wait, to- the fact that she can use Instagram. Oh, she FaceTime. She Snapchats. That's she amazing. Yaya, Yaya DMs. 
That's incredible. And she's 86. That's incredible. Okay, wow. cool. It's incredible until she watches every story yeah. you post. <laughs> You're going to have to hide your story from your yaya. Well, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I. So I think I've gotten really good at that. And like, I love my family and I'm so glad that they all support me and they all follow me and like Max's brothers. It's literally so sweet. But yeah, I'm going to talk about my period. I'm going to talk about nipple hair. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I think what has been the hardest for me is my Hannah Montana to Miley Cyrus transition that mm. I feel like I'm kind of in. You're you're getting into your wrecking ball era tr- right now. Tr- truly. <laughs> I want to talk. I want to swear as much as I swear. Max and I love throwing a weed gummy in. Mm. I think that would actually have people spazzing if they heard that I enjoy weed gummies. Mm. And maybe I'm putting that on myself. How do you guys feel? I mean, you've consumed my content and I'm telling you all this stuff. No, I I think it's really refreshing to hear because I do, (laughs) I love the Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus comparison, but I do think of you as someone who is like more PG and I think, but you have really relatable content at the same time. But I feel like we somewhat have some similar upbringings and I don't know if I'm just making that up because we're Greek, so I'm just assuming that. But I understand that pressure and I just feel like you can't be perfect all the times and like you can't please anyone, but... I, I like smoking weed. And the other day I started saying something about it online. And I like ended up deleting it. And I was like, ah, I don't need this here. So I get that it is too. so stigmatized. And of course, you don't want people to think like I'm smoking weed every day. And like, that's not the case. But also, why do I even care what people think? Why do you care? People aren't going to get it. And that's another thing I'm working on is I, I have this part of me that feels like I owe everyone an explanation. And I don't. I had a conversation with someone who really inspired me the other day where they were saying, it's no period, not no. And the reason is ah, just, you don't have, you can, it's okay to be misunderstood. And I've been really struggling with that. And I also think I have created this relationship with my audience where I do want to be transparent about everything. And it is unreasonable and impossible to give them an explanation for every single thing. Like the other day, I think someone messaged me and was like, you know, you never talk about the fact that you were a Kappa at USC. Like, are you hiding this? Like, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not hiding it. I said, what, what is there to say about it? I was like, I was barely in it. I was an athlete, but they were spinning it. Like now she's, they were like, now you're trying to spin this narrative, but you were a part of this sorority. And I'm like, it is not that intentional. And I literally felt myself being like, whoa, you got it all wrong. Here's a blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, why would I even take the time to explain this? Because this person is incorrect. Like, whatever. Also, Sophia Bush was a cap at USC. So I, (laughs) you know, like there's another, and I obviously think there's a lot of problematic issues with sororities. And I'm definitely not going to be like, want my, I'm not like a, my daughter is going to be a legacy. I don't, it's not that deep for me. I think that's, that's the bottom line. It's not that deep for me. I mean, I really struggle with people pleasing. We've actually done a funny episode on our worst people pleasing stories. And it is, no, it's actually so bad. Literally something will happen. And oh, last night we were shooting with our photographer and she didn't want to get her shoes wet. And the wave came and hit her shoes. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I didn't, do, it's not my fault. Yeah. Do you remember when I said, yeah, why did I, I like, say sorry? Take I your work shoes on off. That. And I think it's like, honestly, just pra- like practice it. I need to practice that. Is there anything you do to kind of work on not falling into that people-pleasing trap? I think I'm definitely trying to be more intentional with language. So not saying I'm sorry when I don't need to say I'm sorry. And I also think I am putting myself in the shoes of the other person and just thinking about how if someone told me they're not up for this 
day to hang out with me anymore. Or when I have a friend join a group, I'm always like, okay, how are they doing? And are they feeling included? And like, I'm bringing them to the conversation and I'm, I literally feel like I'm their keeper. And my friend was like, but she was like to me, I would never want anyone to do that to me. I'm so self-sufficient. I'm so independent. Like it would make me feel bad if someone did that to me. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. So I guess I'm trying to combat some of the people pleasing with recognizing it's not that other people want it. And also people pleasing is innately this selfish desire to control everyone's perception of you. And you have to, yeah, we have to realize we can't control other people, let alone how they perceive us. So I, it is this controlling desire to manipulate a perception. And it, when I think about it that way, I'm like, it helps. Yeah. It's kind of like, Ooh, okay. I want to talk about your female friendships you posted like a video from your bachelorette party and I was like, holy shit. Like, she has so she, many friends. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And I feel like you really do foster such a strong like community of women online, but also in your personal life, in real life. How is that, how have female friendships played a role in your confidence and had that impact on you? I can talk about friends and friendships for so long because it's been such a journey the first thing that I'll say is I, when you say, oh my God, you have so many friends, it's so weird for me to hear that because I have actually been feeling so lonely the past two weeks because yes, I, I do believe I have such amazing friends. They don't all live here. Like pretty much none of them, just a one or two live in LA. So I really don't feel like I'm always with my friends. And my bachelorette was so special for me because I did have all my best friends in one place for three days. And it was like, I think part of me is like, whoa, what would my life be if like even half of us all lived in the same city? And I really struggled to appreciate the individual powerful relationships I'd built with women because I was so focused on the group and like where I'm at in the moment. And actually my whole wedding era was something that allowed me, like after my bachelorette, I remember thinking to myself, don't you ever, ever make a joke that you don't have friends? Because I do. But I think sometimes it can feel like you don't when they're not all friends with each other or that you're not all in this girl group that goes out every Friday and Saturday night and you don't all have a group chat, you know, because they don't know each other. But throughout my life, I've picked up women and it was cute. You know, at a bachelorette, you go around and you say something about the bride. It was yeah. so sweet. I was like sobbing. But, you know, something that stuck out to me is like, I even, we, there was a beach volleyball net one day and uh, we did 2v2 and it was me and my best friend from club volleyball, which is like elementary school and high school, my best friend from my high school volleyball team, and then my best friend from my USC volleyball team. And were there more from each team? No. And of course, each team had 15 girls on it. So I could look and be like, oh, I only really left USC volleyball with one best, best friend. And I had four years there with all these girls coming through. And you can judge yourself or I can think like it's so hard to foster relationships and the amount of people you have to keep up with. And my mom was telling me right now, I don't want more friends. My mom called me. She's like, I am not in the market for friends. I have too many, too many people to check in with. It's too much. And so I've really began to appreciate how it's okay to kind of just go slowly and focus on the quality, not the quantity. And yeah, now at like 26, I was 25 last year. I do feel like really blessed in these friendships, but one of them lives in another country. You know, a lot of them live on the other side of the U.S. And then my best friends live in a different city in San Fran. So 
yeah, it's it's weird to feel like I do have these amazing friendships, but also at the same time, I ate Taco Bell for dinner in my car on Friday night because Max was busy and I had no one to call. Okay, well, we're going to start hanging out first of all. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, but also, like, I know that feeling of not having a group, and it's so weird to think of, like, your friendships in that way, but I think that, at least for me, like, I think so much about like my friendships in college and us like always going out. But when I moved to LA, I made so many friends from like work, from like hosting, from fashion, all these different aspects that like none of no one really knew to get knew each other, and we never had that group. So I know what you mean. It almost feels lonely having friends that don't know each other when you see everyone like having a huge group of friends. Yeah, navigating navigating adult friendships is really difficult because, like you said. Similar to you, I have so many great friends, but we live all over the country. And so it's hard. You do feel like without that in person, you can feel lonely. But I think female friendship is so, so, so important for women to have community. And yeah, no matter if they're close or far, like we need to remember that. I guess for you, like, do you have any advice on cultivating those friendships and keeping in touch with people? Because you have friends from all walks of life, like having someone from elementary school or high school, like how do you maintain those female friendships? Because it's so easy to kind of lose touch and then feel like I just haven't spoken to them in months. Oh, and just let it go. Well, that's definitely going to happen. And I've certainly had friends who were there for seasons of my life and I was really close with them. And now we're not close anymore and Mm -hmm. we barely talk. And I'm doing a lot of ego work on, you know, getting rid of that voice in my head that likes to blame other people or personalize things. And I think with friendships, like communication is so important. You know, I had a tough conversation with one of my best friends recently where I felt like she wasn't checking in on me enough. And I didn't even know how to say it because, you know, it's uncomfortable. But if you are not able to have a deep conversation with someone, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but the friendship probably isn't that like strong Mm -hmm. right now. Like those are the conversations that you always feel closer on the other side. And so, and I also think like delivery is super important. And sometimes you, you don't even have to say like, Hey, you haven't been checking in on me. It's just like, Hey, I'm feeling like I'm in a vulnerable place these days. And I'd love for you to check in on me more. That's scary to say. It's really scary to say, but I have had a friend. I said that to once and she was like, no problem. I'm on it. You know, this emoji, like really cute and funny. And I think you have your friends where, you know, you can communicate with more. I also think I've, I've learned that there are different friends for different situations. And like, let's say of the 10 who are on my bachelorette, if I'm having this problem, I might call these three. If I'm having this problem, I might call these three. We can't expect every friend to check every box. And I think it was hard for me at first to realize not everyone's going to be my absolute best, best friend. But I like love going on double dates with these friends, or I love parting with these friends, or these friends are always fun to talk to. But when I have family shit going on, yeah, I'm going to call these people and not this person. And that's okay. And so I think having less of an intense standard for your friends is helpful and beneficial as well. But, you know, I had this tough conversation with a friend and, you know, there's always two sides. And she explained to me, well, you know, I remember when this first came up, you had said it was something going on. And I, it was it started when I was preparing for my wedding. And I think I had said, please don't text me about this because if I'm in a good mood, I don't want to think about it and I'll come to you if I'm struggling. And she kind of carried that energy over into like another problem that I was having. So she was like, that's so good to know. Like, of course, I always think about you. I'll check in on you. I thought that you were wanting. So, you know, it's just so important to have these healthy conversations. And 
hear everyone's side and just also just not take it personally. Like everyone has their own shit, you know, when you feel like you haven't been there for a friend recently because you have your own shit going on. It's not because I'm actively thinking, oh, I should call Rayanne. Just kidding. Not going to call her. (laughs) No, like you have a million things going on in your life and you don't. Sometimes I had a friend who um, Mother's Day was going to be tough for her this year. And I also had some of my stuff going on and I didn't have the emotional capacity to be your go-to for Mother's Day this year. And mm-hmm. so I sent a text, like I think on Mother's Day morning that said, hi, love you, thinking of you today. Let's definitely check in this week. I'm feeling super drained right now and I'm sorry I can't call, but I love you so much. And, you know, you can do that. And she was like, of course, love you. You know, I think yeah. just that communication, we all have our own shit. And when you're going through your own shit, you can't be there for a two-hour conversation to hold someone else's shit. But you can still love them tremendously and want to be there for them, but just in five days. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> Okay, one thing we always ask everyone is, when was the last time you feel like your confidence was really tested and how did you overcome it? The time my confidence was tested recently was maybe just when I was having more body image thoughts than normal and starting to look at myself in the mirror more critically and almost like those days you kind of like really feel your body, like you feel your arms and you feel your legs and you just, you, you're, you're like feeling yourself more, not in the good I'm feeling myself, but like, <laughs> well, like I feel every limb on my body and all my yeah. skin. And I think when that happens for me, I just try not to center it and make it this big story in my head. And I try to just be like, okay, like not my day. And then maybe it's not my week and not spend too much time looking in the mirror and then wear the clothes that make me feel good. And just try to kind of meet it with a patience and a kindness. Yeah, absolutely. Who is the person that you go to if you have those conversations, like those that negative inner dialogue? Is there someone in your life that's like your go-to person? I really have been able to develop like such a strong relationship with my body that I don't think about a person that when I struggle with my body, I go to them as much as I am like experienced and kind of talking it through with myself. But I'll say like recently when I was overthinking food more than usual, I like said that out loud to Max, which was helpful. And then I also brought it up to my best friend, Aubrey. And I, I was, I don't even think I'm looking for answers. I just know myself. And when I let things live in me, they fester and they grow and they become more powerful than they are. Because mm-hmm. as Brene Brown says, you know, shame feeds off of silence and secrecy. And for me, shame is like a huge trigger and like gasoline for, you know, any negative thoughts. So I think just saying out loud to both of them and being like, this is weird, but I just want to talk it out loud because I know it'll help me, but I'm overthinking like everything I'm eating right now. And then, you know, with Max, it's just affirming. I just want you to know that. And I honestly think it'd be really helpful for me if you could just reaffirm my boundary of you're not going to make comments about what I'm eating. I'm like, I know you haven't and you've done nothing wrong, but I almost need to reaffirm this with you to help me. And he was like, of course, no worries. And then with Aubrey, it was, you know, it's more of a fun girly chat where she's, that's so interesting. Have you been doing anything differently? And then I started to say, well, I said, I've been working out a lot. And she was like, dude, that happens to me all the time. Like when I start to work out a lot, I start to think more about my body because you think I just worked out and you overthink what you're having Mm -hmm. after your workout. And like, it, I think it just made me feel a bit more sane. Yeah, absolutely. Having those people to check in with, I feel like it's so important. And also, I do that too. Yeah. Okay, so do you want athlete, TED Talk speaker, you have your podcast, you're like such a force on social media. What do you want for your future? I know you're only 26 years old, so that feels like a loaded question. But I guess like, what is one goal that you're working towards? 
I am working on an abundance mindset and Mm -hmm. trying to continue to center myself and recognize that I have everything that I need already inside me in my life. But I think mainly just inside of me, regardless of like counting the things or the people that you have, but just believing that what we all want is to be happy and to feel joy. And that this pursuit of adding more things to the resume or getting more followers is a bottomless pit. And I say this eloquently, it doesn't mean I'm actually living it out in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what I want for myself in the future. And I'm trying to become more aware of it when I open my Instagram and similar, Christina, you said this on RealPod, feeling like you're comparing yourself to other people in the business and the industry and you should be doing more. So I want to feel more confidence and assurance and abundance in my own life so that I'm not as affected by what other people are doing. Okay, honestly, that was just so refreshing and helpful for me because sometimes I always think of success or like what's next as like a career milestone or something I'm working towards. But just being able to be like, wait, like I want to just be happy and like feel grateful. Honestly, we and need to that hear mindset. that. <laughs> I was like, we need the me reminder. Me too, me too. So thank you for that. Of course. It's just endless. It is, it is this capitalist societal conditioning that you need to achieve more, be more, have more money, be more successful. And then each time you get to one of those places, you just want more and Mm -hmm. it never ends. Think about the follower count you want to get to. And then think about how the next day you will either fear the number dropping or now feel inadequate because you need to hit the next goal. Like Mm -hmm. it's so silly. And I think I've just learned the lesson over and over again. And I'm just trying to breathe in like everything that I have now. That's my that's my hope and my goal. We'll see if I do it. I love that. Thank you so much, Victoria. This was awesome. Thank you for coming on today. Okay, real quick, tell everyone where they can follow you, find you, and support you. Of course. Thank you both for having me. This was awesome. You can listen to my podcast called Real Pod, and I had Rayanne and Christina on. So check out their episode. It was such a fun time. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Victoria Brown. Amazing. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com, and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.